Well, hello and welcome to yet another online service for our scattered community of Kirkpatrick Memorial Presbyterian Church. Whether you are near or far, known by us or new to us, a committed Christian or somebody who is searching for something or someone greater than themselves, then we're glad you're with us. I'm Lisa Skinner and I'm a member at Kirkpatrick and it is my prayer that over the next hour, as I lead you in worship, as my 10-year-old daughter reads the Bible to you, and as our minister Christoph helps us unpack yet another psalm, that it will be the voice of God you hear speaking to you, speaking into your life and into your circumstances, stirring your heart and giving you hope. I wonder what it is that most speaks to you of God. What is it that helps you grasp the greatness and the power of God, that leaves you in no doubt that you are just a small part of something so much bigger, so much greater. For me, and maybe also for you, it's nature. It is the feeling of a wave crashing against my back and moving me forward. The touch of a smooth pebble that the ocean water has washed over for longer than I have existed. It's gazing down at a perfectly formed landscape from a great height, or gazing up at shooting stars in the night sky. When I was 23, I had the great privilege of spending four months in Brazil. And during one of my weekends, I had the privilege of exploring the Iguazu Falls. I don't think I've ever experienced anything quite so overwhelming in my whole lifetime. The sheer force of the falls, the sound of the mass of water dropping, the spray that left me totally drenched and the multitude of rainbows to be seen all around. It took my breath away. But what impacted me more than the sights, sounds and sensations was the truth that not one trickle of that water fell without God say so. And not only that, but the creator and maintainer of those falls also makes that power available to me by his son and through his spirit. I can experience the same power as I clean my home, as I parent my children, when I'm exercising or going about my work, even in my sleeping. And why wouldn't I want to tap into that power? Why wouldn't I give everything over to the author and creator of the universe? And yet there are still times when I find myself restless, when I don't fully rely on God, when I try to go it alone in my own strength, and I end up sleepless and anxious. Does any of this sound familiar to you? In his writings, Paul encourages us that we are more than conquerors through him and that we can do all things through him who strengthens us. And why? Because as Psalm 95 reminds us, in his hands are the depths of the sea and the earthquakes belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. This is the God we gather to worship. By his hands he laid the earth's foundations and flung stars into space. Nothing is too hard for him. And this same God wants to be at the centre of the intricacies of our lives. The great power source of all things is available to us. Who wouldn't want that? Christoph will help us to unpack further what it means to depend on God a bit later in the service. But let's pray together now. And I want to use some of the words of a prayer attributed to St. Patrick. Let's pray. We arise today through the strength of heaven. 
light of the sun, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of the earth, firmness of the rock. We arise today through God's strength to pilot us, God's might to uphold us, God's eye to look before us, God's ear to hear us, God's word to speak for us, God's hand to guard us, God's shield to protect us, God's hosts to save us, far and near, alone or in a multitude. We arise today through the mighty strength of the Lord of creation. Amen. Hi boys and girls, I hope you're well. Hasn't the weather this week been really brilliant? I usually, this week of the summer, I'm completely obsessed with the weather because it's the week of our holiday club. And normally we would be outside at Bloomfield School. We'd be all running around together in the evenings, playing games, um, doing crafts and challenges, uh, hearing stories from the Bible and singing songs together. And I would be staring at my phone, looking at my weather app to see if it was about to rain and we were gonna have to dash inside at any point. Now, this week, the Holiday Club hasn't been like that. It's been quite different. It's been here on YouTube and we've been treasure hunting. We've been looking for treasure all around Ballyhackmore and in uh, Stormont Park and Belmont Park uh, and Victoria Park and even right outside the doors of Kirkpatrick. And most of all, we've been looking for treasure in the Bible. And we've looked um, at some of the stories there uh, at God's faithfulness to some of the people in the Bible, like uh, Joseph and David and Daniel. Um, and we looked at Ruth and we also looked at the story of Jesus. Now, don't worry if you haven't been able to join in that because it's right here on YouTube and so you can look at it anytime you like, which is brilliant. Of course, we've really missed being able to do Holiday Club in the way that we would normally do it. And I hope that before too long, we're able to do things together again. And we really look forward to that. But the really brilliant thing that we have learnt this week as we've looked at those stories in the Bible is that God is the same all the time. Even if Holiday Club is different, even if the weather is up or down, God never changes. And that is really brilliant. He's faithful to us all the time, just as he was with Joseph, just as he was with Daniel when he was in that lion's den, just as he was with David when he faced his giant enemy. So boys and girls, I hope that you can remember that. Um, I hope that you can get stuck in to looking for treasure in the Bible anytime. Treasure all through the Bible that you can be finding. And if you haven't had a chance to look at Holiday Club, just come on and look at it anytime you want. And we would love um, to know that you've been doing that. Bye. Psalm 127, a song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watching vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring of reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one shift. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court.
It's great to be back with you uh, this morning after a few weeks off and great to be able to share a little from God's word uh, with you. Uh, When we come this morning to Psalm 127, uh, we're coming to the eighth part in this series of studies in what are called the Songs of Ascent. These 15 Psalms from number 120 through to 134. They're the Psalms that were used by God's people Israel to sing as they climb three times a year up to the religious feasts in Jerusalem. They're songs for pilgrims, songs for people who are going to God. And that's why we're so interested in them, because disciples of Jesus Christ are pilgrims. We're following him on the way. In fact, we've taken the hymn at his word whenever he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. As we've looked at these Psalms over the last few weeks, it's quite possible that some of them or some parts of them have felt familiar to you. Uh, Some of this material is well known. And that may be particularly the case with this morning's Psalm. In Psalm 127, verse 1, we read, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. I can think of a couple of contexts where that well-known passage is regularly used. Uh, So, for example, in a wedding, uh, the minister uses this verse to remind a a newly married couple that God ought to be at the center of the new home that they're going to build together. Uh, Or this verse is sometimes used uh, when a church is embarking on a building project or dedicating new buildings. Uh, The minister uses the verse to remind the congregation uh, with a, a new building that it's going to be useless unless God himself chooses to bless the work that takes place in it. So with people using this psalm in these kinds of ways, it's easy to jump to the conclusion that Psalm 127 is about building, building homes or building churches. Even the title associates this psalm with Solomon, who was famous for building the temple in Jerusalem. But there's more going on here than building, much, much more. This isn't so much an anthem for the building site as it's a song for all who work. If we read on in verses 1 to 2, that becomes clear. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise up early. And stay up late, toiling for food to eat. It's a song about building work, yes. But it's also a song about the work of protecting our property. And of all the toil that gets us out of bed in in the morning and keeps us working till late at night. Work is the universal human occupation. It's one of the main contexts for our pilgrimage, our journey to God. Work is the theme of Psalm 127. It's important that we think clearly about our work because it's such a major component of life. It's unavoidable. Most of us 
uh, other than the landed gentry in our congregation have had to work for a living. Sometimes our work's good and sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's a place where sin takes grip of our lives and sometimes it's a place where our faith matures. If we're to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ, then we can't ignore our work. We need to learn to do the will of God in our work. Our workplace needs to become a place where we're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. As we look at Psalm 127 this morning, we're going to see two things. One, a wrong way of working and two, a right way of working. So first of all, the opening couple of verses tell us in plain terms about a wrong way of working. Working independent of God. Building houses, providing protection and all our other work will be in vain, says Solomon. A waste of time unless God is in it. Right at the beginning of our Bibles, we're told a story of work done independent of God. The Tower of Babel, the greatest work project in the ancient world, it was an unparalleled disaster. We're told in the opening paragraph of Genesis 11 that the people said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. These guys want to build a city for themselves so that they can make a name for themselves. Their effort, albeit very impressive, albeit on a huge scale, is in vain. They're working independent of God. Friends, the reality is that much work, probably most of the work that goes on in our world today is done in the spirit of Babel. Countless people put in vast amounts of effort with little or nothing else in mind than building a little empire for themselves, making a name for themselves. Their work's done independently of God. And in the end, their work's going to be every bit as futile as the work at Babel. The main difference between Christians and other people is that we take God seriously. We really believe that God is the center of all reality and existence. We really do pay attention to what he does and he says. We really do try to do our work with God in mind. You'll notice that I've started to talk about God and the work that he's doing. You see, God is a worker. It's the premise of this psalm that God works unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord watches over the city. You see, God builds and he watches. God does work. The Bible's not slow to tell us that God's a worker. In the opening verse of the whole Bible, there's an announcement in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, in the beginning, God sat majestic in heaven. It doesn't say, in the beginning, God was filled with beauty and love. No, in the beginning, God created. He did something. He made something. 
Genesis chapter 1, you could read it as God's timesheet. It tells us about the work that God has done. And the most important work going on in our world today is the work that God is doing. After Genesis 1 introduces our God who works, the rest of the Bible gives us great detail about the kind of work that God does in this world. He's created this world and he keeps creating new wonders every day. He provides help and comfort, compassion and salvation. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, Paul gives us a glorious one sentence summary of the work that God is doing. God is at work to bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head, even Christ. So God the Father is working in our world today to bring people together as a community gathered around his son Jesus. We're talking just now about wrong ways of working. Our work goes wrong when we do it independently of God. And when we do that, we become anxious, we worry about the outcomes, we become frantic, we start to imagine that everything depends on us. Uh, in vain, we rise early and stay up late. Psalm 127 warns us about working independently of the God who works. I don't know if you noticed it, but in this psalm, Solomon sees only two possible outcomes for our work. It'll either be God's work or it'll be a waste of time. There is no third option. In a moment, we're going to come back to the second part of our psalm to think about the right way of working, how we can ensure that our work isn't a waste of time. Before we do that, we're going to listen to a song. It's by Andy Flanagan. Some of you might know Andy. He was around Queens when I was a student back in the early 90s. It's a song about work and about the truth that God is with us in our work, wherever we are, whatever we do. So we've just spent a few moments in the first half of our psalm and we've been learning about wrong ways of working. Uh, ways that result in our work being a total waste of time. In the remaining verses, Solomon shows us an example of work done under God. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with the enemies at the gate. It's probably not immediately apparent what the second half of the, the psalm has to do with the first. Let me tell you what I think is going on here. I think the psalmist has chosen childbearing and community building as an example of God's work on our behalf. Think about it for a second. What did we do to get our sons and daughters? Very little. Everyone knows this. The couple who've been given a child know what a gift of God's grace that is. The couple who long for a child 
know how futile their efforts uh, to influence the, the miracle of conception can be. The process of conceiving a child requires our participation, but hardly in a way that we would call work. We didn't make these marvelous wee creatures that walk and talk and grow here among us. God did. It's his work. Our children are a gift from God. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children a reward from him. If the story of Babel, which opens chapter 11 of Genesis, illustrates the first half of our psalm, then another story recorded at the end of Genesis 11 illustrates beautifully the second half of our psalm. In the first paragraph of Genesis 11, we read about a godless human work where man builds a tower for his own glory and his own security. And the result, of course, is that it's a fiasco. In the final paragraph of Genesis 11, we read of an unpretentious miracle. God visits a man obscurely known as Terah, who lives in Ur of the Chaldeans, and he quietly gives him a son, a kid, who's going to be called Abraham. He's going to go on to be the father of a community that will change the entire course of human history. God does this work. Just a word to parents at this point. Are you grateful to God for your children? You were at the point of their conception and at the point of their birth. Are you cultivating a sense of gratitude through each passing season of their lives? This psalm today might prove as a useful catalyst for you in parental thanksgiving. In Jewish practice, this psalm was recited as part of the thanksgiving service at the birth of a child. If we're truly grateful to God, if we recognize that they really are a gift from him, that's going to help us to parent our children for God's glory. Speaking to parents from this psalm, Tim Keller says, Thriving happy children are God's doing. Helicopter parenting and over-involvement in our children's lives cannot ensure their health or their happiness. Unless God enters their lives, all our watching is in vain. Giving our children to God is the only way we get to keep them. This psalm may well be talking about God's blessing in terms of sons and of children, but the Bible teaches that God's provision for us isn't limited to our biological families. Jesus reinterprets the sons in this psalm to include all relationships in the family of God. Jesus never had biological children, and yet he regarded himself very much as a family man. In Matthew chapter 12, he said, Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. For new covenant people of God, such as we are in Christ, 
Psalm 127 verse 3 could read, Fellow Christians are a heritage from the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ are a reward from him. We have already said that our biological children are a gift from God. So are our brothers and sisters in Christ. So is our church family. By the way, just this week, since I've come back to work, I've heard yet another lovely story of the Kirkpatrick family in action. A man bereaved, his family shrinking. A sister in Christ provides food and care. And by her actions, this man's family is enlarged once more to its full proportions in Christ. It's beautiful. Do you see by now what Solomon's saying in this psalm? He's showing us the kind of work that really matters, the kind of work that God's involved in. He's saying, yeah, you may have built a house, but was it worth the building? You may well be building and securing a city, but is it a, a city worth living in? Friends, the truth is we can waste our lives working hard for all the stuff that doesn't really matter. The best things in life, the most real and the most personal, our sons and daughters, our parents and spouses, our friends and our neighbours, our brothers and sisters in Christ, these are all God's doing. They're all his gift. Once we begin to understand that and to begin to understand the kind of work that's God's into, that can change everything about our work. Suddenly we find that our work isn't about becoming rich or influential. People are at the centre of what God's doing. And the more we discover this and the more we discover the life God is calling us to, we'll find that people are more and more at the centre for us. Friends, it would be a tragedy to waste our lives working for comfort, for wealth, for reputation, when we could be working with God to build a community around his son Jesus. As I close this morning, I want to say all of this couldn't be more down to earth. We can do this work no matter where we are, no matter what our paid job. Whenever we live out the life of Christ in the place where he's put us, we are working with God. Whenever we take a moment to learn the name of a child in a holiday Bible club, or in the pew in church, or in a youth ministry, we join in the work of God. Whenever we follow up on a smile or a look of despair to encourage a brother or sister in Christ, we're joining God in his family building work. Whenever we go to the trouble of making a meal for somebody or inviting them into our home, we're entering into the work that God's already doing, the work that he loves to bless. 
Let's join God in the work that he's doing, building a community around Jesus Christ. Everything else will be a waste of time in the end. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Let us pray. Lord, thanks for this wise we sound. It's a difficult one in a way. We don't like to admit that we're not self-made after all. That every good thing that we have comes from you. It's hard because it humbles. But Lord, in the end, we know that this is great news. Our success isn't finally up to us. It never was. The people around us aren't something we can earn. They're a gift. Thank you for them. With this new clarity, help us to work steadily, faithfully, and modestly. Help us to use our work to do what really matters, to join you in the work of building the kingdom of Jesus. Amen. Um, thank you to Lisa for leading us in our service here today. And thank you too for Amelia for reading so well. I think Amelia is the youngest reader we've had uh, reading in a church service for a while. Uh, I want to thank all those who have led over the last three weeks or preached uh, during the weeks when I've been on leave. I very much appreciated uh, people's help in this strange summer. Uh, I want to thank Louise too for the reminder earlier in the service there about the Treasure Seekers Holiday Bible Club. A holiday club is a big part of our summer every year here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. And it's been sad this year that we haven't been able to gather together in the way that we normally do. But it's been great that boys and girls have been able to go online each uh, evening this week, each day this week for Treasure Seekers. I dropped in uh, on Thursday and I got to hear Amy tell us about Ruth's trust in God. And I got to see Ricky do the 15 cup challenge. He did it in 18 seconds. I thought it was amazing. As Louise said earlier, if you haven't managed to get along to Treasure Seekers this week, don't worry, it's not too late. We're going to keep the videos and the materials uh, online for you for a while so you can get a chance to catch up and watch it. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Louise and the whole team. I love how you guys didn't allow a global pandemic to stop you from sharing the good news of Jesus this summer. I can report that plans for coming back to church are going well. We're planning our first Sunday morning service on Sunday the 6th of September. But here's the thing. I don't want you to come. <laughs> that is, if you're watching this online, we don't want you to come to our first services back in the church building. 
Our first gatherings are going to be very small because of the current government guidance on social distancing and how that limits the number of people we can bring into the building. So we'd like, in the first instance, to prioritise people who haven't been able to come to church and who aren't able to watch our services online. We're going to bring them back to church first. So if you're watching this online, we want you to stay online for the time being until the social distancing restrictions are further eased and we can bring bigger crowds of people into the building. I'm going to be sending out an email or a letter during the incoming week spelling all of this out in more detail. The key message is this. If you're online, please stay online and encourage anybody who isn't online to find their way to the services when they start up in September. Thank you. Just now I'm going to take a moment to lead us in our prayers of intercession, prayers for other people. We're going to pray for young people who have received exam results. We're going to pray for our holiday Bible club and what God might still be doing in the aftermath of it. We're going to pray for the people of Lebanon and then we're going to continue to pray for the coronavirus pandemic, the times we find ourselves in. Let's join together and let's pray. Lord, we pray for our young people who've received A-level results this week. We pray for those who were pleased. And we ask that they would learn to turn in gratitude to you. Glad for the opportunities that they've had to learn and for the ability that they have had, they have been given to succeed. We pray for those who were disappointed with their grades. We pray that they'll learn at an early stage in their lives to find their identity in you rather than in scores. We pray that they'll allow this difficult moment to bring them closer to you, deeper into your love. May they be learning now a way of trusting you, that will carry them through all the highs and lows of the lives that lie ahead. Lord, we thank you for a great week of treasure seekers. We thank you for the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with children in our congregation and beyond. We pray that our children would learn that your offer of life in the kingdom of Jesus is the greatest treasure they could ever find. Lord, we pray for the people of Lebanon in the light of the explosion last week in the port area of the city of Beirut. We pray for the many who have lost loved ones, the many who are injured, the hundreds of thousands of residents made homeless, Lord, we pray that the Lebanese people, especially those responsible for governing the country, would be infused with fresh hope and would know your hand providing for every need. We pray for PCI's partners in Beirut, the National Evangelical Synod of Syria and Lebanon, a long-standing mission partner, the Near East School of Theology, SAT-7, 
the Christian broadcasters in the Middle East and North Africa. We thank you that they are so strategically placed for mission in the Middle East region. We pray that you'd envision and strengthen them. Make them wise and determined in finding your way forward. Lord, help us to prayerfully step into the pain and the suffering of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Indeed, of all the people of Lebanon, bringing genuine encouragement and practical support. Lord, we continue to pray for our land in this time of pandemic. We thank you that we've been spared the worst ravages of coronavirus. We pray that in this time of lockdown easing, we might all be respectful of ourselves and each other. Help us to love our neighbours as ourselves, to be willing to sacrifice our freedoms and our convenience for the sake of others. Lord, we pray that even in this, we might be what you've called us to be, the light of the world, people whose lives cause others to give glory to our Father in heaven. That's what we want. That's why we pray. Amen. Just now we're going to sing a closing song. It's Our God uh, by Chris Tomlin. And there's a line in there that I think goes very well with what we've been thinking about today. If our God is with us, then what could stand against us? Our work, if it's done in the name of God and with God's uh, spirit leading and guiding us, is work that will never fail. Our God. As we draw our service to a close, I just want to invite you to reflect on the message you've just heard. And as you do that, to ponder also the words that Augustine prayed. You have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Can I encourage you not to try to go it alone? But draw your strength, joy and peace from the one who made all creation. The one who made you and who is always available to you because of his great love for you. May we learn, whether in want or in abundance, to submit ourselves to him. To depend on him and to rest in his salvation. Amen. <laughs>